0: Two sheriff's deputies ambushed in L.A., and some protesters celebrate that they were shot. Biden blames all of this on guns. A knife attacker in Pennsylvania also causes riots. Will Democrats concede if they lose? An NFL opening day kneeling. It happened.
1: This, this is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Russia.
2: One small family. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again.
1: The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate.
3: Former CIA
2: analyst.
1: Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It
0: is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, everybody, to the Buck Sexton Show. Thank you very much for being here. I got to tell you, there's a little bit of, uh, of momentum, a little bit of excitement right now for those of us who work in the news media and political commentary, right wing talk, whatever you want to call it. Because uh, the election, you can almost you can almost smell it. You can almost taste this election. It's coming up. It's going to be here very soon. And I've got to tell you right now, Donald Trump has everything that he needs. It, it has all been set up by events so that Trump can, in fact, win four more years. I'm not saying he will. I believe that it's very possible. But he might be able to pull this off despite the fact that 2020 was just a a tough year, a bad year for the whole world, not just for America. But one of the major reasons for this is that the Democrats have embraced this BLM movement. Now, I've got to tell you, I'm proud of the fact that this show was never bending the knee to BLM. Never. Oh, yeah. Let's do the police reform. Who was telling you back in June that police reform And, you know, trying to pass a a new holiday or to change some statues that any of this was going to do anything to make this country better. Right. I certainly was not saying that bending the knee on any of that stuff was the way to go. This show stood firm on this because I knew what was going to happen. I could see it coming. I didn't want to go out like a wimp no matter what this show. We're not going to be wimps here. But my God. God, there were so many. Remember those huge companies who bent the knee, begged forgiveness, and tried to brainwash their own employees to appease BLM? Well, they pandered to an evil Marxist movement based on lies, division, and resentment. Oh, oh, what happened to all of the BLM Instagram virtue signaling? Remember the black squares that everybody's putting up on Instagram? Ugh, so so much cowardice, stupidity sanctimoniousness, recklessness. And now here we are. We're five months into BLM's resurgence. There's not a single positive outcome from the movement, unless letting celebrities, journalists, and pro athletes show off for their friends on social media is considered a really important thing. But there have been lots of deaths, riots, arson, assault, and theft, though. Plenty of that. Plenty of that. Now we can judge the movement by what it did, not what it pretended to be about. And finally, the Democrats, the pandering, pathetic national news media lying to you at every stage, every phase of these riots and this this movement. Now they're at least temporarily on defense because exactly what I have been telling you all along would happen has happened. You had two Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies recently out of the academy. I mean, two people just beginning their careers in law enforcement, a man and a woman shot while sitting in their patrol car. A uh, a black male suspect went up to the vehicle and shot them. Absolutely no reason. Absolutely no anything other than they're cops. Why would someone do this to law enforcement in this country? Why would someone take it upon themselves to try to assassinate two police officers sitting in a parked vehicle like this? Well, my friends, um, we've seen this happen before. It's just not surprising. This was just like this ambush of LAPD officers was just like the assassination of NYPD officers Ramos and Lou in 2014, also by a BLM supporter. Oh, we don't know what this guy, trust me, when they catch him, guarantee you, guarantee you when they go on his social media accounts, and everything else, you'll see a lot of hashtag BLM. A radical from within the tradition of a radical Marxist movement. That is based in a lie that, if it were true, would justify violence against police. That's why it's so dangerous. That's why this is so corrosive. The vicious hatred of cops, which is uh, central to BLM, has horrific consequences. Yet again, every coward in the media and Democrat politician who pandered to the ignorant, angry mobs at the expense of our police should be ashamed. But it's about justice, they said. No, it's not. And it never was. This is just like what we saw in New York. It's just like what happened in Dallas, where you had a BLM supporter kill five members of the Dallas Police Department, just run around assassinating cops. There was no struggle. This wasn't a, a fleeing felon trying to get away with a crime as if you know, that's a death penalty offense in and of itself. But th- there was no rationalization for this whatsoever, even for a criminal. The only reason for this is that our national news media, much of the many of the most important and powerful companies in the country and the Democrat Party went along with this, this moral panic about all the racism in our policing. Oh, it's also racist. They're killing unarmed black men for sport. That's what they say. That's the line. It's out of racism. That police just some days are like, you know what, I'm going to kill a black man because I feel like it and I'll get away with it and it won't ruin my life and it's not a monstrous thing to do. That is the central lie behind all of this. And just millions of morons went along with it. Oh, the tens of thousands of them protesting in the streets. We're about justice. No, you're not. You're idiots. Facts don't matter to you. Reason, logic, these things don't matter. Just emotion. It's emotion. It's people who are psychologically unstable, quite honestly, that are looking for something to latch on to. And the Democrat Party provides them with that. Oh, be a Democrat, then you're a good person. And and here's this little sub movement of the Democrat Party called BLM. And you're a righteous fighter for civil rights if you go march in the streets for this and provide cover for the rioters and the looters. Oh, only 93 percent of the protests, they say, uh, were, or, or 93% were peaceful, 7% were violent. If you, if you spend 7% of your day in violence, you're like the most violent person on planet earth. Okay. We've seen all the different tricks. We've seen what the media's tried to do. And as if it wasn't horrific enough, as if it wasn't evil enough that you had someone who, yes, I am I'm analyzing this. We don't have the data yet. We don't have the, it, it's quite obvious that this person hates cops and wanted to kill cops because of what he's hearing all the time. Every day in the media, every day in pop culture, the cops are evil and they're killing black men for sport because of racism. There's no other reason for this. There's no, there was no other explanation. If there was another explanation, I'd at least say it could be this, it could be that. I can't even think of what it is. And we've seen this before. We've seen the patterns. We understand what's going on here. We understand what is happening. But as if that wasn't ugly. And by the way, the, the, the sheriff's deputies right now are, are expected to survive. So thank God, looks like they're going to be okay. But as if that wasn't bad enough, um, you had BLM supporters. Outside the hospital were these police officers. This was in South Central Los Angeles, or in Compton. And you had BLM supporters videotaping themselves outside the hospital, yelling things to these cops who were shot sitting in their patrol car, like, y'all gonna die one by one. This ain't gonna stop. That's right. The BLM-supporting Biden-voting mob... Gathered outside a hospital, maybe it was a half a dozen people it doesn't matter can you- ima- can you imagine if a half dozen trump supporters gathered outside of uh, of one of these shootings that b l m talks about all the time and was gathering outside outside the hospital where jacob blake was 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 you know currently uh being treated and were were saying that this was a great thing and he got what he deserved and it's all you'd hear about. For a month in the media. All you'd hear about. But a half a dozen uh, likely Democrat BLM supporters gather outside and say and are cheering for this. They are cheering for officers who have been shot to die. They're not they're not hoping for a speedy recovery. They're hoping for the opposite. They want them to die. They're laughing about this. They think this is funny. Which side of the political aisle supports this creates this? Which side of the political aisle has made their bed now and has to sleep in it when it comes to BLM? We know it's the Democrats, it's the Biden voters, the pandering, the racial division. Trump has broken them psychologically and emotionally, and they're so desperate for some kind of moral high ground that they went along with this Marxist fraud again. And what has it done? People have died, there have been riots, arson, looting, stores destroyed, businesses broken into ended shut down afterwards for what doesn't help any community crime is going up across the country and cities particularly in minority areas of major cities so what was this all about what were all the black squares on instagram and all the you know hashtag this and and hashtag that in support of blm what did that accomplish Do the people that really thought that that was moral and righteous and just, do they feel good about themselves? No, if they do, they're delusional. They're delusional. And the Democrats are going to do everything they can. They're like people, they're like toddlers caught in a lie where they will not face the consequence. They're just going to keep lying and lying and lying until somebody finally just brings down the wrath and righteous fury of a higher power upon them. The Democrats are just going to lie. They're going to say, oh, no, this isn't what happened. This is not what you've seen. This is not the reality. No, it is. Now we live in a country where police are shot for no reason other than being police because there are people out there who believe the mainstream talking points of the media and the Democrat Party. And then after those cops are shot and clinging to life, there are random Biden voters who gather outside the hospital saying, yeah, that's right. Those people should die savage barbarism that's what rooting for police to die is savage barbarism do you see anyone who is on the right who is ideologically conservative doing this ever no you do not why is that there's no moral equivalence here between the two sides the left has has completely embraced a corrupt distorted insidious immoral philosophy here with BLM and it may in fact cost them the election and the only way we can really achieve justice for all the destruction all the misery and pain and suffering and lies that these people have told for months is to defeat them in this election they have earned with BLM alone the Democrats have earned every second of of four more years of President Donald J. Trump.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. So
2: Biden wants to appease domestic terrorists, and my plan is to arrest domestic terrorists. And we also believe that if you murder a police officer, you should receive the death penalty. Absolutely.
0: The president is laying out the very clear choice that the American people have, where you can either support the the political party that believes in pandering, in placating, supporting openly, allying with this anti-cop movement, because that's really what it is. Or you could support a a political party that, as imperfect as it may be, does at least have some of the clear moral questions of our day correct. The police are the good guys and gals. The police are the good team in all of this. They're what keeps us safe. They're what prevents us from having the kinds of, of anarchy and violence in the streets that we've started to see a little bit of here and there in cities across America, but would be so much worse. But as if it wasn't just clarifying enough over the weekend that BLM um, was freaking out over a whole bunch of different issues, as they tend to do. You also had, in addition to that, right, you had the the protesters outside the hospital. um, You had the kneeling, the NFL kneeling, which I'll get into. But you had this incident in, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, that was utterly Mind-blowing, okay? Here you had, and, and the Lancaster PD did the right thing. Um, the Lancaster PD released the body camera footage right away because they recognized that if, if this got out, there might be a real problem here, right? There might be a real issue. Uh, I'm rather, rather, if the story got out without the uh, attendant body cam footage, and here's here's what you see. It's it's very clear. There's a police officers called through a domestic disturbance call. All right. And it, it, it's all very clear in the body camera. A guy named Ricardo Munoz, who had attacked people before, was a criminal who had attacked people with a knife before. And he comes running out. It's all on video running out of this home in Lancaster. At the police officer who runs away from him and only turns when and when he has to, because the guy has a knife raised to stab him. The police posted this body cam video. This is as clear a, a use of force situation as possible. Let me be very clear. Ricardo Munoz, under our law, deserve to be shot by this law enforcement officer. If you try to stab someone who is anyone but a cop in particular and you get shot, that's your fault. Now, you could say it's the guys and I talked about he's he's on the I believe he's on the spectrum. He's emotionally or psychologically has problems. That's that's a shame. And that's sad. But you can't try to stab someone to death. Do you know what BLM did over the weekend? Do you know what BLM did? In response to all of this rioted. That's right. There was rioting in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Because a cop shot a guy who ran out of a house with a knife. It's on video. There's no question. Ran out with a knife trying to stab a police officer running at him with the knife raised. It looks like something out of a training video in a police shoot house. I've done this training before, and this is the shoot him as many times as you have to to stop the threat portion of that training. And yet that's not what the BLM protesters are willing to take from this. That's not what they're willing to say. Um, you know, that's a circumstance that continues to just it's it's mind blowing that we're now seeing them Look at situations that could be the textbook case of legitimate police use of force, and saying, "Nope, we're going to riot anyway." That's BLM. Thanks for listening to the Bus and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe
1: on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: What has been the Democrat response to the uh, the shootings over the weekend? There are a lot of shootings we could be talking about. Dozens of people shot in Chicago shootings are still at a very high rate compared to last year in New York. But talking about these two sheriff's deputies who were almost murdered by someone and then the people cheering for the cops to actually die in the hospital and telling other cops standing outside the hospital that you should die, too. Does anyone really find this to be surprising, given what we're told all the time about police, given that we have multimillionaire celebrities who think that this is a movement they should be supporting does anyone else find that to be problematic given what we're seeing this was all entire this is playing out exactly the way it did before in 2014-2015 the original BLM movement there is nothing about this that is that is surprising the only thing that some of us look at and and find truly stunning is I think how much um, corporate America decided that they would go along with this that's the only aspect of this that is a little bit different last time perhaps they were supportive but now it's it was all just bend the knee beg for forgiveness reach down to the ground kiss the floor say i'm so sorry blm please don't boycott us anything to be on your good side but now they've shot some cops or at least some cops have been shot by somebody who I've yet to hear of another rationalization or explanation for why he would do this other than BLM. Now they've got a problem on their hands. So what does Biden immediately focus on? What does Biden want to talk to everybody about? Oh, that's right. Gun control. Weapons
3: of war.
0: That's, that's, the, that's the latest from Joe Biden about this. That, that's going to stop this. Let's have another useless conversation where Democrats pretend like there's any hope of getting guns out of the hands of all criminals in this country. The vice president tweeted weapons of war have no place in our communities. We need to ban assault weapons and high capacity magazines. You know, I'm sorry, but earlier Biden called the shooting unconscionable and and i have to say this is it's it's unconscionable that's true but democrats don't get to pretend that they haven't played a role in all this including joe biden right including uh the the biggest voices in the media the national news media matt walsh tweeted this out i retweeted because i agree with him you have helped to spread this is in response to joe biden saying this cold-blooded shooting is unconscionable walsh tweeted, you have helped to spread the baseless lie that racist police are hunting black people. You have not stood for law enforcement, and instead of sided with the scumbag criminals, you're responsible for this, you disgusting, spineless, fraud, fraudulent hypocrite. Yes! Amen. Absolutely. Totally agree. And, look, you know, this is really exposing the difference between the left and the right on, on law enforcement, and, and on what kind of communities, what kind of society we should be living in i mean right now from what you saw in lancaster and if you haven't seen the video you should you should see it it's disturbing but you should understand how absurd this blm movement is people are rioting because a guy got shot because he ran he had already had a criminal history of stabbing people with knives in the past and he runs out to stab a cop during a domestic violence call or domestic dispute call and he gets shot and they riot what are they i mean apparently BLM rioters believe that social justice means cops should allow themselves to be stabbed to death with a knife by a criminal lunatic. Otherwise, they're guilty of oppression and systemic racism. Yeah, that's where we are now. The extremes that we used to talk about, what if somebody pulls a knife on a cop? Can they use violence then? BLM says no, no. If the person that shot is a minority... If it's a white guy who tries to stab a cop, the, the right conservatives, Trump, will say, yeah, it doesn't matter what color you are. If you try to stab a cop, you are going to get shot. And that's justified. It's not, it's not to say it's not celebrated. It's not a happy thing. It's always a tragedy, but it's justified. They reject all this, of course. They've created this false narrative, and they'll stick to it at all costs. Do you think that the, the fraudulent millionaire journos on uh, anchors over at cnn you you think that they feel badly about any of the stuff that's happening in this country about the division about the divisiveness no they don't care they actually think that they're the good guys in this equation they think the political movement that they support sure there are some people who are part of it who but that's there are radicals in every movement they'll say Then they'll turn around and say donald trump's a russian asset and they're doing all of the things. I have to tell you, I, I wish I had written out. I've said it here on the show, but I've been thinking about if I had written out what I thought the left's anti-Trump uh, attack plan would be, um, you know, what the playbook would be, uh, you know, I've gotten it all right. Yeah, they're going to pull out the Russia stuff. They're, they're going to use all the old attacks. Plus, they're going to say COVID is all his fault. Well, you know, they're just they're going to do and they're going to be prepared. We'll talk more about this. Be prepared for lawfare against the election result. Which increasingly, I think, is we should expect this. This is going to happen. But we'll get into that more in a little bit. Um, I mean, this is this is the country's choice right now. There, there are two cops who were shot. Another cop almost stabbed to death. Think about that. I mean, this cop, this cop's got a family, wants to go home to his family every night wants to live, doesn't want to be stabbed to death, is doing his job serving his community. And some guy runs at him with a raised butcher knife trying to stab him, and he, and he runs away. The cop tries to not have to use his weapon, shoots the guy, and people riot over this. So that, that's, now the mor- that's now the moral decision of BLM that if, if, you, uh, if, if a cop has to use lethal force to defend himself, Even if it's entirely justified, anyone who believes in BLM has a right to go break into strangers stores, steal their stuff, burn down property, threaten people in the streets and attack other police officers. That's that's now the movement the Democrats support. That's what the country has been through months of riots around. These these were riots about what about what about ending racism. Seems like there was a lot of resentment in these riots, a lot of of anger and rage really just directed at Trump and all of his supporters. But it was wrapped up in this pretense of, oh, it's about unarmed black men being killed by cops, which is happening all the time. Actually happens very, very rarely. Doesn't matter. They don't care. If it happened once, they would still be talking about this. Now, you know, if next year there were one black man who was unarmed, killed by police, they, there would still be rioters who think they're justified because of the history of oppression, you see, because of all the times in the past. So it never ends, it never stops. It's not about moral action today. It's not about what's fair, what's just right now. It's what some people feel like. Remember the Democrats, all about the feels, all about feelings. But here's your choice. Police are attacked, shot, riots are happening. And just over the weekend, Biden tweets, weapons of war have no place in our communities. We need to ban assault weapons and high capacity magazines. I mean, it's almost like it's almost like a, a, a tweet robot or something. Put this out. Well, I guess it's probably Biden's staff. So it is a tweet robot in a sense. Uh, ban assault weapons. The guy who shot the two cops, it's on video, he used a pistol. Banning assault weapons would do nothing. High capacity magazines, you don't need a high capacity magazine when you can walk up to a window and shoot two cops who were sitting there peacefully doing their jobs. What does that have to do with anything? And on the president's side, he, he responds to this shooting, quote, animals that must be hit hard, end quote. It's your choice, America. Which one of these people is serious about keeping you and your community safe? Which one of these people is serious about protecting all life, all lives in this country? It's not Joe Biden. That much is very clear.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
2: They're not protesters. They're anarchists. They're agitators. Who and the they're rioters. Who are they? Uh, they're people that in many cases are paid. By who? And then they're stupid kids. Uh, who are they? Who's by paying them? people that we're looking at right now. We're looking at them right now. Can you tell me? Uh, no, not yet, but I'll, you'll be going to be finding out pretty soon. Look, they're stupid people, too, because they'll be overthrown as soon as they get their wish. These people don't respect them. They're just using their money. These are super liberal people that have money. And they're helping these anarchists and their agitators and their dangers.
0: The super libs who live in mansions and ultra high-end apartments in either gated communities or fancy doorman buildings, depending on the city or the area of the country they live in. The 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 lib elites who support all this stuff in so many ways are really the most odious of all because They do so for their own reasons of of moral preening. Look at me. Look at how good I am. Look at how virtuous I am. You know, people in their mansions in Greenwich, Connecticut. Oh, I'm so supportive of BLM. What a what an idiot fraud one would have to be. Yeah, sure. Sure. The the same libs who make sure their children go to the most elite, least diverse private schools possible. Those those same people are the ones that are always talking about how much they support BLM. Oh, gosh. It's almost like they're huge hypocrites and they're, they they live in constant terror of being found out for being such utter frauds. But Trump says they're looking into them. I, I, I hope that's true. Friends, I mean, I've I've lost all hope, as I told you. Well, I never had any hope, but I've I've now. Come to the conclusion that I've been right all along about the Durham probe. It's really just not going to do anything. Nothing's going to come from it. I've been saying it for many, many, many months now. And I, I wonder when they say they're looking into the funding sources. I mean, they might be looking into it, but not willing to really do anything about it. You know, we always back down to the other side on these things. We always say, oh, it would be too disruptive if the DOJ really held them accountable. It would be too problematic If we decided to punish them for what they've done wrong, even though they deserve it, they'll be so upset if we do that. And so that's why I I just I don't think that we're going to see any any justice when it comes to that. I don't think we're going to see anyone who has been funding or assisting these. they'll, They'll say they were assisting peaceful protests. It's not their fault if it turned into riots, man. It's not their fault if all of a sudden they're burning down buildings and doing bad stuff. And then, what's next year? The NFL. I I didn't watch any of it. I did watch a very excellent, and I, I would recommend that some of you consider it, uh, consider it more. I did watch uh, tennis, the U.S. Open. That's right, the Open of the U.S. Baby, the most patriotic American tennis tournament. Uh, I I did watch it, and it was an excellent match. And there was no BLM stuff, at least in the match that I saw. None of that. Although I do know that the women's champion Naomi Osaka has made a big deal about about BLM. Uh, but I, I just can't handle all this stuff with the NFL. I, I'm sorry. What I I also love when people now the new line is how do you not know what they're protesting for at this point? I'm sorry. What what are we gonna say? Justice. They're protesting because of the bad things that happen in the world. I'm protesting badness during the national anthem. Oh, I'm protesting racism during the national anthem. So you're using the clear disrespect of your nation to draw attention to yourself. And then when you're pushed on, well, what do you what is your problem? What do you want? It's oh, it's it's this very broad, amorphous concept that will never entirely go away so i can always complain about it there's always an excuse for agitation whenever i want to agitate i'm i'm completely and and utterly disgusted by this this nfl it really it's nfl and nba right now the two leagues that have been the worst when it comes to all of this and i don't think that anyone should hold back i think that we should speak honestly about what we're what we're seeing here what this is all about they're ungrateful millionaire celebrity cowards oh i don't want to be the one on my team who's getting weird looks in the locker room so i'll i'll bend the knee too even though i know this is nonsense okay you yeah. some people do a lot for their country being a football player uh that's that's a very lucky it's a very privileged position you know, a lot of Americans, I think, believe that professional athletes, because of the teamwork and discipline involved in reaching that level, we're just going to be of a higher character than, say, Hollywood actors with their absurd lib politics. I think that illusion is being shattered, at least for the NFL and FNBA. Um, I think they're overpaid brats. And I think that their, their ratings should crater and people should express their displeasure. This is entertainment. We don't need any of these things. This is to make us, you know, feel joy and relaxation and forget about our problems. It's not time for a lecture from undereducated, overpaid babies. That's how I feel about it. I I don't know. I mean, if other people feel differently, that's fine. They're allowed to watch it. But I would not advocate. I'm not watching any of it. And I did used to watch the NFL, and I will not anymore. I thought the NBA has been kind of garbage for years now. But. Did any of the entire Washington football team that uh, that was kneeling together, did, did any of them take a knee or make any public statement on that field for the two cops ambushed and shot who were struggling for their lives during that game? Of course not, because you see, the NFL doesn't protest in solidarity with honorable and courageous cops, but they've got plenty of support for felons who resist arrest, don't they, as well as felons who put on a football uniform. There's plenty of that, too. And yet we're supposed to think of them as as heroes. Um, You know, we all knew right away how many NFL or NBA players would take a knee or show solidarity on their jerseys for the ambushed L.A. sheriff's deputies. The answer was zero. Because. So many of those ungrateful, undereducated fools deserve nothing but contempt for their social Justice stances. We all get to make a choice here, friends. We all get to we all get to answer the question. Which which side of this are you on? Morality, law, order, decency. A society that believes in individuals as individuals, every person judged by their character, color of their skin, irrelevant. Or a society of endless division and police hatred and racial demagoguery. We all get to make the choice. Democrats are on one side, Republicans are on the other. Choose. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sexton Show podcast. Remember
1: to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Get ready for a very troubling reality of this election cycle. And it's that this election is unlikely to be over on the night the votes are cast irrespective and this is the part you really have to get ready for irrespective of what the actual voting is doesn't matter it doesn't unless you have some massive trump landslide even then i've got to tell you um even then i've got to tell you it's probably going to turn into lawfare they're going to fight it out in the courts. There are multiple mechanisms that Democrats have already put in place. I want to walk you through what people are talking about now as a possible soft coup attempt. 2.0 wouldn't be the first time, right? The, the, the coup that may yet come. There was the uh, Michael Anton piece in the American Mind uh, about this. I've been talking about a coup coming possibly for months. The way they'll try to engineer this, the mechanism for this. All of it, right? And you see, you add all this up, the mail in ballot voting. You take that. You take the Russia narrative. Oh, Russia's trying to do things again. We'll get to that. And now you have the, the story that the polls all show Biden winning. This is what, I'm telling you what the Democrat mentality is. All show Biden winning. And so if come election night, Democrats end up with another surprise. Oh, just like 2016. And it looks like Trump is going to be the president for four more years. They've already built the narrative so that they can easily just say, no, don't believe we don't believe it. We don't believe it's true. Trump didn't win. The, the mail-in ballots are still being counted from all these states that have allowed unsecured loose ballots just floating around there. Who knows how many are in the mail? Who knows if they send out Millions? They only need perhaps a couple hundred thousand to to even be sent in any capacity to claim that we can't know. So then they extend it out. And it also then creates a delay because, well, what about what about postmarking the next day? Are they going to be able to to count these anyway? Are they going to fight? Are they going to say, you know, there's endless shenanigans that they can try. And I do think that we need to be prepared for that. I think that they're preparing for it. I think that this is what we're seeing happening right now. They simply can't process it. I'm going to tell you this team, if we lose this election and we might, we might as crazy as I know, I know, don't don't flip your station or stop the podcast. If we lose this election, it's going to it's going to be bad. There are lots of words, bad words I'd like to use about what that would make me feel like a lot of blankety blanking, blanking, blank, but if we lose, okay, maybe the country's lost, I don't know, but we keep fighting, we rally, we do what we can, and we go down fighting, one way or the other. And we enjoy every day we've got, because every day above ground is better than the alternative. That's the attitude. If Libs, if Democrats lose this election, they will turn into shrieking puddles of emotional refuse on the ground. They're not going to be able to handle it, and they've, they already know this. Because everything they think about themselves, it's so deeply personal for them. You know, if someone can convince me that they have a better argument than what I have thought for a long time, if they really can convince me, go, oh, okay, I guess I was wrong about that. You know, always open to that possibility. And I have changed my mind on things over time. Heck, I was worried that Trump was going to be completely in over his head during the primary as president, supported him in the general election. See, I'm honest about that. A lot of other people who are like, oh, I love Marco Rubio so much. I hate Donald Trump. Now they're all, you know, people who called Trump, I don't know, an idiot, for example, on their radio show, and now suck up to him every chance that they get. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know who did that. You could probably look it up on the inter, in the interwebs. There's somebody out there, and there, there are people that pretend. I tell you the truth. I thought that Trump would have a hard time with this, and he's been an excellent president, And he's shown us from day one that he is a fighter and that he is trying to do his best for the American people. And, you know, if you're not willing to admit that you miss misanalyze something or, you know, you're not a good analyst. If you misunderstood something and you won't change your mind, I mean, then you're just an ideologue. You're not actually a person who's engaging with the facts. That is the definition of the modern Democrat Party right now. It doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter what the reality of our country is right now. They've already they've already set it up so that it's impossible for trump to get a clean win and that's the goal of all this in fact they have even gone a step further over the weekend there was this piece that i saw in the atlantic which is one of the more uh supposedly intellectually snobbish although they write a lot of garbage and have a lot of pseudo-intellectuals that write for it i mean it's really a lot of people that aren't nearly as bright as they think they are they just echo what other libs what other libs want and and break out a thesaurus when they're writing their essays. But here we go. Um, I've got to show you I, I've got to tell you about this one. This is a a particularly galling a particularly galling circumstance here. Shadi Hamid. That's right. In the Atlantic. Quote, I argue that even strictly law and order Republicans have an interest in Biden winning If Biden loses, mass unrest is more unlikely because the left will have more difficulty uh, accepting the results. Wait, that's not that doesn't make sense. If Biden loses, mass unrest is they mean if Biden wins, mass unrest is more unlikely. Anyway, the piece is about how Democrats won't be able to concede. That's the title of the piece. And what they're saying is that, look, guys, if you want the country to return to normal, you got to vote for Biden. You got to vote for Biden because otherwise we're just going to get crazier and crazier. We can't handle it. I mean, some Democrats are actually going so far as to say that now they're telling you this. They're saying, look, you see all these protests you think this is bad now. Just wait until we get into a position where we feel like there's no future because we're completely nuts and we're, we're ripping the Basically, this is Democrats saying if, if Biden doesn't win, we're going to rip the country apart. So let's all vote for Biden. This is what the pitch has turned into. Does that does that line up with the overall Democrat messaging on this? Of course it does. This is not surprising in the least. Right. Does, does that line? Of course it lines up with this. This is the implied threat along. This is the coercive component of BLM. It's so why they're going out and yelling at old people in the streets with loudspeakers and ruining people's dinners and lunches and yelling at them in restaurants and showing up outside public officials' homes and waking people up in the middle of the night. And this is all coercion. It's all meant to spread the psychosis that the libs live in because Trump is president. The rest of us are like, country's fine. Country's actually, you know, yeah, COVID's been bad, but we're dealing it. We're almost we're dealing with it. We're almost through it it wasn't Trump's fault as much as they try to pretend it is it's absurd and things are okay we're not fighting some horrible war we don't have planes getting blown out of the st- uh, out of the sky by terrorists well you know the economy's recovering you know the administration is trying to get money out to people and businesses and you know we want to reopen and we want our lives back what's the big problem with Trump the border issue has calmed down for now i mean we haven't settled the legal immigration yet but the border issue is not, not in the same uh, emergency situation that it was, and yeah, here we are. They think that if Trump is elected, that the country is over. They've created a narrative of existential duress for the nation if the sitting president is re-elected. It's like they learned nothing. They acted like the country was going to be destroyed if once Trump won because they didn't think that was really possible. Now here we are, four years in, country's doing fine country's not destroyed people are fine people aren't getting marched off into you know into camps and being told to break rocks with mallets because they voted for democrats and there's not none of these horrible things there's no fascism they haven't suspended election all these things we've been told he's not actually a a puppet of putin although they still say that like complete morons but now it's just the same thing all over again but but it's even worse It's, it's exaggerated in their minds the threat is even greater. We've had a normal person would see Trump is president for four years. The country hasn't fallen apart. He hasn't destroyed the nation. So now let's understand that if he's president for four more years and we have the continuation of what we've seen, things are going to be fine. That's what a normal person would do with just with those facts. What Democrats do is, oh, my gosh, see,
4: he is destroying the nation. And if we, we can't live, if he does four more years, oh, no.
0: They, they really do believe this stuff. I used to think that it was largely theatrics uh, for viewers and just because it was useful propaganda. But no, these these Democrats, these libs are not such talented actors. A lot of them really believe this, friends and that means they're willing to go to the most extreme lengths imaginable to not just try to defeat the president, which they still could do, but to steal the election from him if he wins. And now they're even telling you Biden better win or else. That's considered a pitch for Biden to get more votes. Hey guys, if if Joe Biden doesn't win this election, country might just get burned down you know burned down in a big smoldering heap because of all the uh, rioting Democrats out there so let's all let's all come together and avoid that by voting for Biden that's what the peace in the Atlantic is saying they may not be able to concede they may not be this is a from a Democrat folks he's a Democrat writing and he's admitting Democrats will not be able to psychologically process this they've they've gotten so frenzied they're so surrounded with their with their MSNBC and their, their tweets from celebrities and all their friends who all are so woke and the whole, the whole mess, all this nonsense. Can't just take a deep breath, take a step back and go, hold on a second. Trump hasn't murdered millions of people. Trump isn't destroying the country. He's not erasing all freedoms. He's not a fascist. He, he, he's, he's not a racist as much as they like to say he is. May, maybe they could just take a breath, take a chill, and accept that, or at least think about the prospect that the Democrats, the left, have bad ideas that don't work. They're illogical, history shows they fail, and they're irresponsible and utterly emotional and childish in how they deal in American politics these days. So maybe a little bit of reflection and a little bit of chill would take the Democrats a very long way, but instead... They are going to take the amp, not just to 11, even though it only goes to 10. They're going to find a way to take it to 12 and they're going to blast out everybody's eardrums. They will completely lose their minds. And they think that's a reason to vote for Biden.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
2: Because he put the most vicious ad on television that I've ever seen? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where I'm standing over the graves of our fallen warriors, our fallen heroes, these are great people, the greatest people there are. And I'm standing over there, and they have some sleazebag reporter from a third-rate magazine having some source quoting me, saying, I won't even use the term, but saying bad things. And there's nobody that loves our military, respects it, and the people more than me. And they took... And I didn't even ask. We had 25 people that were witnesses that are on the record already that have said that never took place. It never took place, what they said. And yet pathetic Joe. And he's a pathetic human being to allow that to happen.
0: Twenty five people on the record. Saying the Atlantic story didn't take place. And yet we still have to hear that the president hates the military that was never a credible story the president has disdain for the military let me say something about, about, about guys like trump because he's a new yorker like me and there's a there's a certain no bs a little sarcastic aggressive mentality and personality that new yorkers tend to have right so P- producer mark has a little bit of it i've got a little bit of it you know there's just a we got a way. We got a way of being here. And Trump definitely has. Trump's from Queens. He's a Queens boy. I'm a Manhattan boy. Trump is a Queens boy, actually. Producer Mark, you're a Queens boy, aren't you? I am a Queens boy. There we go. Exactly. You know, Queens guys like love family, good food, and you don't want to push them too far. You, you don't want to push them too far. It's, it's a bad, bad place to go. And you don't want to try to rip them off either. They, uh, they, don't, like, they don't like anyone playing games. You know, Manhattan is a little similar, except we spend a little more time out at the country club. Same idea, though. Same basic mentality. And here's the thing. The, the, there's no way that Trump, if there's any group of people in the world that that the president of the United States, while he's president and before he's president, clearly respects. It's our combat veterans. It's our airmen, soldiers. It's our Navy, Marines, Air Force, Army. All right. It, there's. And so that's why the story. But they're so desperate to come up with some way to siphon off that strong veteran support for Trump. that they're just they're just going with this. They're just going with this. Yeah. So the, the president said that his generals are a bunch of whims. general generals are allowed to be criticized. OK, and generals are no longer on the front lines. They're not in combat. So if the president, if the commander in chief has some harsh words for his generals, guess what? He's allowed to. But he respects the men and women who put on the uniform, who serve their country every day, who do it for very little pay at a lot of personal cost and at risk of their lives because they love this country because they're patriots. This president respects those people. There is absolutely no reason to believe otherwise. OK, yeah, there are there are people that use their service or someone else's service as a, a, a weapon to attack the president politically, and he's going to respond. But this guy is, is the Democrat line really that he he hates the military and the military is just not smart enough to figure it out. The people in the military who support Trump, they just don't realize. Usually you don't like people that disdain you and think that you're losers. Right. So so who really has disdain for the military? The news media, the press, they do. They always have had it. How many, you know how many journos there are running around? You're like, oh, my gosh, yeah, the military. I don't know if that's for me. Or any kind of service to their country. Tons of them. Who writes stories? Who's the, the first people that want to tell everybody about how you know, there was a, a civilian casualty incident with the military? You know, who, who ran wild with his, his front page Abu Ghraib stories every day just to fame the entire military because there were some people who were doing bad things? The journalists. So I just think it's interesting that, that they really are doing what the uh, psychologists would call projection here. Trump doesn't hate the military, but if there's anybody that doesn't have due respect for the military, it's not all journalists. And there are journalists who are former military. And I know that. But a lot of lib media people really think that the the military is a bunch of, uh, you know, unsophisticated, undereducated. You know, they really do have that attitude about it. And I think it's I think it's so clear they're trying to push this onto Trump. And it's all just nonsense. Um, What are we seeing with these fires out in California? You know, they often talk about Trump as a as a fascist. I'll give you an example of what a fascist demagogue actually sounds like. And uh, here's a hint, not Trump. But out on the West Coast, there is someone who I do believe also has presidential aspirations. Who may not really think of himself as a fascist, but certainly does a good impression of an enviro enviro fascist given the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Bus and Show podcast.
1: Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your
5: podcasts. The heat, dome over the entire West Coast of the United States, when you have temperatures, record-breaking temperatures, record droughts, then you've got something else at play. And that's exactly what the scientists have been predicting for a half a century. It is here now. California, folks, is America fast Forward, What we're experiencing right here is coming to community all across the United States of America unless we get our act together on climate change, unless we disabuse ourselves of all the BS that's being spewed by a very small group of people that have an ideological reason to advance the cause of a 19th century framework and solution. We're not going back to the 19th century. We're not apologists to that status quo. We believe in the fresh air of progress versus the stale air emphasis, stale air normalcy.
0: California is America. Fast forward. I certainly hope not. California was a beautiful. I mean, it's let's just let's take a step back for a moment. California is one of the most I mean, along the coast. The interior, I'm sure, has some nice places, but let's be honest. We spend most of your time around along the coast is where you're talking about the beautiful stuff. And California is one of the most geographically fortunate places in the world. You know, you get around Big Sur and you're up in the Monterey area and even you get down the coast. I mean, I drove from L.A. to San Diego a couple of years back. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Incredibly bountiful for I mean, the, the, the coastline, the access to the Pacific Ocean. They've got wonderful uh, vineyards i mean look i'm not trying to do an ad for the state of california i'm just trying to bring up that democrats largely with the help of illegal immigration right illegal immigrants come in and then they have children here and then those illegal immigrants those households tend to vote democrats so then when their children grow up they vote democrat and you know that's how they flipped it so it's just the bluest of blue states now california was a reliably republican state california had Governor Ronald Reagan gave us Reagan and was going red up until I think the H.W. Uh, Bush presidency and national elections. So it wasn't it wasn't that long ago that California was a, a place. Look, it was the American dream. I grew up in the in the late 80s and in the early 90s, and it was like every movie I saw was based in. I know that's where the studios were, but it was all based in California. And the ideal existence, it seemed, to the American teenager circa, you know, 1988 was to live in, you know, the live in a house in California within striking distance of the ocean and learn how to surf and skateboard like this was the ideal. And the weather's perfect. And there's all these beautiful people. And now Democrats have been in charge entirely for, let's call it the last eh, last 20 to 30 years. And they're ruining it. They're they're ruining it. OK, the state is going through ruination. I was out in L.A. a year ago and I spent I spent I've spent weeks and weeks in L.A. in the last few years. And everyone that I was talking to was a native was like, look, I love this place. But it's just there are people, you know, there's there's uh, vagrants urinating in the street all over the place. And there's 10 cities and the traffic is nightmarish. And there are power outages because they don't know how to end. They don't know how to keep the electrical grid going. And, you know, the the petty uh, quality of life crimes are terrible. You know, there's just all this stuff that's happening, all these things that are going on. And sure enough, sure enough, uh, the state is finally falling apart. And now you have these wildfires, which is not the first time in recent years we've had also major fires. there. I think there are a few million acres that are either burning or have been burned. And it's not just California, it's California, it's Oregon and Washington State. These are prim- primarily in uninhabited but you know, wooded, wooded areas. And the fires are really bad. And they, they are out of, out of control right now. And what are we told is the only answer to this? Climate change. I, I, I sit here and I, I want to ask the question... What natural disaster at this point is not attributable to a liberal, to a Democrat? What natural disaster is not attributable to climate change now in this current environment? Anything? Is there anything that we can say? Hurricanes? Climate change. Wildfires? Climate change. Go down the list. Floods? Climate change. Mudslides? Climate change. I mean, you, you just look at all the stuff you say. Uh, okay, now let's just put aside for a second that that seems just very simplistic And its thinking. And if you're wondering how much warmer they keep, they keep saying it's the desiccation of forests, which is a fancy way of saying dry forests. Okay, they love to say desiccation of forests because it sounds sciency. Dry forests, heat, dry. There you go. The desiccation of forests has created greater. Um, uh, risks for these for these forests there have been in the past and that's okay well how much warmer are we really talking about you know gavin newsom there who's telling you remember california and in a sense he's right california is the future of the whole country if the democrats have their way rolling blackouts quality of life plummeting super high taxes flight from the state and and for those who are saying oh but look at silicon valley when did silicon valley really get going the 90s right Hollywood is a legacy institution that happened to be in L.A., but stretching way back to when L.A., or at least when California, was still often in Republican hands. It takes time to ruin a place, and, you, and, and there's often a period where you can just be essentially milking the cow before you end up killing the cow, right? And that's what Democrats do in these places. They, these states, New York, California, they get fat and happy, there used to be kind of rockefeller republicans there was a little bit more of a there there were some serious periods of time in New York state's history when it was certainly more conservative in its leanings than it is now but California is a perfect example of the rapid change that you get when the left wing takes over but they're showing you now the results of their policies When the mayor, Mayor Garcetti, has to tell people, yeah, turn your turn your thermostat. I think it was 78 degrees. A 78 degree house is really warm, folks. Papa Buck's going to be sweating a whole lot in a 78 degree house. But here we are. Continue to look at this. Continue to think. Well. What's the answer? Oh, there's only one answer. There's only one answer. Tom Steyer. He who doth own only one tie despite being a billionaire. He gives you his answer. Play
5: six. This is a global problem. Look, this is crying out for national and international leadership. What's the, the number one thing we can do is elect a different president who's going to recognize the problem, deal with it forcefully at home, deal with it forcefully overseas. That's actually the only solution we have to this problem and- is honest to God, Joe Biden.
0: Joe Biden is a solution to climate change. That's they, they really believe that. All right. Trump, they said, couldn't build a wall, which actually the wall, they've had about 250 miles built, about 300 miles, according to Chief Scott of the Border Patrol. Roughly 300 miles currently being built, 250 miles built. You're looking at about in a pretty short period of time here from from today, it'll be five, six hundred miles of wall. But building a wall is impossible Changing the global climate, that's that's just requires leadership. That's what the Democrats want you to think now. That's their uh, their belief. Friends, this is entirely. Unserious. I and mean, it's a serious threat to our economy, to our way of life. But this proposition that if only we took climate change more seriously, we wouldn't have forest fires, we wouldn't have hurricanes. Are we going to invade China and shut down all their factories and change all their environmental practices. Are we going to tell India, sorry, no more cars? I mean, global leadership. What what is that even? The the Paris Climate Accord, which is what Democrats point to, is a big is a big pile of nothing. There's no enforcement mechanism. It's all kind of self reported and self graded. And yeah, sure, we're doing a great job limiting carbon emissions. Let's go to a fancy meeting. We'll all sit around and talk to each other about how we are leading on the climate. No. Great. Really fancy. Really, really wonderful stuff. Uh, but this is a religious belief, friends. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what evidence I show. It doesn't matter that the average temperature in California now as compared to decades ago. I think it's one or two degrees warmer. <gasps> You know, that's what we're talking. That's what climate change really says, that the climate may be a degree or two warmer on average in the next 50 to 100 years. I think it's also worth noting that we've seen the scientific community, which is a very broad and really useless term, but we've seen the scientific community use modeling to tell us how many people are going to die from COVID-19, like the IHME models, at the University of Washington, sponsored by Bill Gates. And they've been wrong, not just in advance of the numbers, they've been wrong like a week before. They can't predict squat. They're wrong and wrong again on an issue of urgent life and death national importance. They were way off, way off. But the scientific community, again, broad term, it doesn't really mean all that much, wants you to think that they can tell you what the average global temperature change will be in 50 to 100 years based on the change in what is uh, accounts for i think it's less than two percent of the atmosphere um that's what that's what they're telling you it, it's stunning it's unbelievable but it's a religious belief for people who think they're too smart for religion i'm sorry 0.04 percent of the atmosphere CO2, 0.04% of the atmosphere. So they're telling you that a change in the composition of 0.04% of the atmosphere is going to destroy all life as we know it based on their models. And if you have questions about this, and in the meantime, you still want your air conditioning to work and your refrigerator to stay on, And you want I mean, California has mismanaged its water usage, has mismanaged its forests, has mismanaged its electricity, because instead of looking at these issues for what they are, they have all these external beliefs of the climate change religion that influence everything else they're doing. Talk to anyone who knows land development, talk to anyone in real estate in California. It's a nightmare of regulations of environmentalist groups funded by people like Steyer, who, you know, they get to live in a $20 million mansion in Malibu overlooking the ocean and tell all those dirty, poor people in the California interior, turn off your refrigerator, turn off your air conditioning. How dare you? Do you realize what you're doing to the climate? These people are arrogant frauds. And yet... That's the it's a central ethos of the Democrat Party now. And if you if you question this, they look at you like you're nuts, even though what the, what that I have what that I've said to you here is in any way it should be in any way controversial. And yes, they have been unwilling to allow for management of forests uh, because they don't they, they they live forests should be entirely untouched. So the, the forestry management system is terrible, which means that there's a lot more undergrowth, which means it burns a lot faster and hotter than it normally would. They they don't know what they're doing, friends. They don't know what they're doing, but they know you're wrong if you question it. And Gavin Newsom's here to tell you they want to control the power you use in your home, the the appliances, everything about your life because of climate change could come under the control of these religious zealots of the worship earth religion. And Gavin Newsom's saying this is coming to the whole country if you just let the Democrats do what they want. Doesn't sound like a good thing to me, friends.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
3: I listen to fire professionals, um, not the president of the United States or a politician when it comes to actually what causes these fires. Uh, It's been very clear. Uh, that years of drought, as we're seeing, whether it's too much water and too much rain in parts of our country right now or too little. This is climate change. And this is an administration that's put its head in the sand uh, while we have Democratic and Republican mayors across the country stepping up to do their part. This is an administration, a president who wants to withdraw from the Paris Climate Accords uh, later this year, Uh, the only country in the world to do so. Uh, talk to a firefighter if you think that climate change isn't real. And it seems like this administration, uh, the last vestiges of the flat earth society of this generation, we need real action. We need to actually reduce uh, the carbon emissions that we have. And we need to make sure we can manage that water. And this is not about just forest management or raking. Uh, anybody who lives here in California is insulted by that, quite frankly. And he keeps perpetrating this lie.
0: Meanwhile, if you go to the San Francisco Chronicle, they'll even publish this Is climate change worse than California fires, or is it poor forest management? Both. So Garcetti's accusing the president of lying for pointing out that forest management in California is terrible when the experts that Garcetti cites are like, Yeah, no, the forest management's terrible. Maybe the changing climate, whether it's from CO2 or not, right? Maybe the changing climate is playing a role. Climate is always playing a role this is liberals can't think their brains can't wrap around this that the climate the world is not a stable climate always it's not always staying at the same temperature it's constantly in flux it's constantly changing it's like a chaos system you don't know what's going to happen what's coming what, it's constantly changing over time so of course there's climate change but is it this crisis that they're making it out to be <sighs> There's been a century of mismanaging Sierra Nevada forests, Nevada forests, pardon me, that is impacting all of California right now. Um, forest management is a major part of the problem, according to people whose jobs are to fight fires. But when Democrats talk about it, they say the president's just lying because they're nuts, because they—they they, it doesn't matter. They'll say... Whatever they have to say, as long as it allows them to do what they want and keep the pop, the uh, unwashed masses in place. Richard Grinnell went after Pelosi on this one. This is the Democrat ethos. Now, I'm going to tell you everything you have to do, and then I'm going to do different things. And if you question it, you're not about science. Play five. Let me let me tell you one thing that I learned about being in Washington, D.C.
6: There's a whole group of people in Washington, D.C. who hate the outsider they have their own rules you see their rules allow them to go to San Francisco get their hair done and then they demand an apology from you for not keeping a secret the whole town works on secrets backroom deals they spoon feed you information they keep information from you
0: indeed they do
1: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Some good signs in the polling, at least for those of us who are hoping the president Trump does get four more years. What are these dynamics as they are playing out, especially when it comes to the Hispanic community? Uh, we've got director of strategic communications for the Trump campaign. Mark Lotter with us now. Mark, thanks for making the time. I know you're busy.
7: Oh, thanks for having me, Buck.
0: So what are we seeing here with the the surge in Hispanic support for Trump? Where is it? How much of there is it? And why do you think it's happening?
7: Well, and and there's been some recent public polling that shows that, that Joe Biden is significantly underperforming, even Hillary Clinton. Uh, in florida among hispanic and latino voters of course that's a state that donald trump won in 2016 so if he's doing worse in that very key demographic i think it's one of the reasons why you saw him scramble to send kamala harris down there last week he's heading there later this week and they're even trying to tap michael bloomberg to see if he can go buy an election for them down in the state of florida but it doesn't really matter how much money they have to spend when you're when you have joe biden's really bad message it's not going to
0: work $100 million is what I saw uh, that Bloomberg's willing to spend just in the state of Florida. Of course, we're not going to hear Democrats complain about big money in politics when it comes to that, right? But $100 million no. in the state of Florida, which is going to be the biggest spend, I think, without the desired result, since uh, Jeb Bush spent about $100 million to get, what was it, uh, a, a few delegates? Didn't go so well.
7: Right, and Michael Bloomberg proved it himself. He spent a billion dollars and didn't get anything out of it in the primary process. It just shows you can't buy an election if your message is so bad and horribly flawed. And when you look at Joe Biden's plans for... Four trillion dollars in new taxes and the green raw deal or his history of being soft on Cuba soft on the the, uh, the dictatorship in Venezuela it's not going to resonate no matter how much money Michael Bloomberg wants to waste he's still not going to make any inroads uh, in
0: Florida what can you tell us about and we're speaking to Mark Lauder director of strategic communications for the Trump campaign mark what can you tell us about the whatever you've seen because because here's the theory and I think it's a pretty sound one that the reason there's been a change in tone, even before the horrific shooting of two Los Angeles County sheriff's deputies over the weekend. uh, But there was a change last week or two, I'd say from some Democrats about just how extremely supportive of BLM they're willing to be. And people have said this is because the public polling has turned against them. What, what can you tell us about how this issue, you know, from from just a, a political strategy perspective, is now a liability. It seems like it's just become a liability for Democrats in swing states, not in New York and California.
7: Well, it really is a a huge we've seen a huge shift in the polls, and I think it's a lot to do with the violence, the arson, the, the rioting, looting, shootings and homicides that we've seen in so many Democrat run cities and states and the Democrats failure for months to even condemn it and come out opposed to it. I mean, Joe Biden called police the enemy. Kamala Harris compared them to the Klan. And as I travel around the country, I hear the exact opposite. And I hear so many people who even say, look, they've had a history of maybe being down the middle and voting Democrat in the past. And they just shake their heads when they see those kinds of things, because they know that the men and women who put on the uniform and that badge and go out every day to respond to your nine emergency, they're the best of us. And we need more police, not less police. And so I've seen, we've seen this happening in the battleground state, but we've also seen it happen in non-traditionally Republican or not traditionally Republican constituencies. It's really having an impact on Joe Biden in the black community, in suburbs, which he's counting on, because they don't want to see a soft on crime pro-protester movement, which is really what the Democrats have become.
0: Mark, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida seem like the big three. There are other critical states. I know. You and the campaign are going to be putting a lot of effort and, and energy into. But tell me specifically about about what the strategy is to get to get those wins racked up. We just talked about Florida. But what are we doing in Pennsylvania? My good friend Sean Parnell is running in a tight congressional race out there. He's talking about the dynamics at play and, and Ohio. It's, it feels like if Trump wins those two plus Florida, we're good to go.
7: Well, so the so in Pennsylvania, it's definitely a message about the economy, especially in Western Pennsylvania. In fact, I was with the vice president last week, Antoine Brunel, uh at an event last week in, in that district. And it's amazing when you talk about, you know, Joe Biden and his open uh, embrace of ending fracking, being against fracking. And then he has to come out and try to distance himself from it. Uh, because he, again, sees the numbers are starting to trend away from him. And as we look at at, across the country, we see it's not just about fracking. It's about energy independence. And you can look no further than the mayor of Los Angeles a few weeks ago, telling people to turn up their air conditioning to 78, turn off their lights and TVs at three o'clock in the afternoon because there's going to be blackouts. That is a preview of what Joe Biden's America is going to be. And then you go to places like western Ohio, or Western Pennsylvania, eastern Ohio, and other states where fracking is really big. Now we're talking about hundreds of thousands of jobs that are going to be eliminated. And for a campaign that's hoping to, to make strides from Joe Biden's standpoint, telling 100,000 people they're going to be out of jobs in Pennsylvania and Texas and eastern Ohio and other places, that's not going to be a winning message.
0: Are you seeing undersampling in some of the public national polls, undersampling of Republicans is that I, I see a lot of people in conservative media that point to this as as a concern. Because You know, I'm just wondering, is that something that you, you you all would agree with, that there is that some of the polling looks to be skewed a little bit? Or do you just worry about your internal polling and keep fighting the fight you're in? Well, I mean,
7: obviously, we keep a better tab on our internal numbers because we were right in 2016. They were wrong, and we think they're wrong again. But it is true that there is a massive uh, underreporting going on in many of these national polls. I don't think they learned the lessons from 2016 about how to identify what the electorate is going to look like. And to make matters worse, when you undersample Republicans and— there's no question that Republicans are the more energetic voters for their candidate than Democrats are for Joe Biden. You're just magnifying that impact. So you're underreporting the people who are most likely to come out and vote for their candidate. I mean, I've said it in the past. These pollsters that are doing this are either incompetent or they're corrupt because they either can't figure out their mistakes or they're intentionally trying to create a narrative to depress Republican voters, to make them think that the, the race is lost when it absolutely is not lost. In fact, I would say, you know, we are ahead of where we needed to be and we're ahead of where we were in 16 and we're ahead where we need to be to get to 270.
0: If you had to pick, I was asked over the weekend, if there's one state that was blue the last time that you think could realistically go red this time, and maybe you can give me a you know, two or three, But, you know, so I'm not asking for because obviously if you win what you won last time, congratulations, four more years. Right. But I'm just if we're going to run up the scoreboard a little bit, what state would you think right now that had been just narrowly blue in 2016 that this time around we could flip?
7: Well, I think there's three top candidates there. Uh, Minnesota. Absolutely. Uh, We've seen it. The president only lost it by a point and a half in 2016. And even just a few weeks ago, you saw a number of Democrat former Democrat mayors uh, in what's called the Iron Range in in Minnesota come out and say they're supporting President Trump because he supports the workers in their communities. And uh, so I think that one's a top target. I would believe that New Hampshire would be a target. It's only about twenty six hundred votes that the president lost that in in 2016 and then Nevada as well. Because you'll see the president, obviously, he's in Nevada right now. But one of the big differences in Nevada is, obviously, they are so economically driven. And when you have a platform like Joe Biden's to raise taxes by $4 trillion, that's $4 trillion people don't have to spend uh, at the resorts and casinos and amenities in Las Vegas and in Reno. But it's also huge because companies aren't going to have those, that money that they can spend at conferences and conventions, which are really a driving force in Nevada Nevada and in Florida's tourism-based industries.
0: And the violence that you're seeing in cities across the country, the the surge in violence, the anarchy in the streets, uh, the the Biden campaign doesn't seem like it has a clear message about this. What is the Trump campaign? How does the Trump campaign describe the Biden choice here?
7: Uh, they're between a rock and a hard place of their own making uh, when they when they decided to align themselves with the radicals of the Democrat Party, the BLM and and the folks who are out there rioting, arson, you know, looting. Well, they put themselves at odds with the police, with the majority of Americans, and they stayed there for months on end. And it should really tell a lot of folks something when you have the largest police organizations in our country whether it's the National Fraternal Order of Police, NYPD, Chicago Police, uh, Texas Police Associations, Southern Police Organizations, they are all coming out in support of this president because they know he's standing with them and that we can do more than one thing at a time. We can root out injustice. We can improve training where it needs to be improved. But it doesn't mean we defund the police and or turn our attention against the men and women in blue, we got to stand with them and and, and help them uh, and defend them, not defund them. I think it puts them in a bad position, especially in places like Minnesota, like Wisconsin, who have seen this violence up close. And I think it will it will reverberate across many other communities.
0: Speaking to Director of Strategic uh, Communications for the Trump campaign, Mark Lauder. Uh, Mark, I'm watching this whole issue of the Democrats Preparing to not concede, planning to not concede very closely. I think it would be foolish to ignore that some of the biggest voices in the Democrat Party have been saying openly. I mean, this isn't some conspiracy theory that people are reading about in the comment section of a website somewhere. This is this. This seems like there's a real movement underway. You know, top writers on the left, people with big platforms, Hillary Clinton herself. How is the campaign Viewing this and and preparing for what could quickly go from a a victory at the polls to a battlefield in the courts.
7: Well, we're, we're ready to fight that battle and we are already fighting it in every state where we see Democrats trying to exceed the letter of the law and change to these very dangerous, unsecured voting by mail mechanisms, which are ripe for fraud and abuse. And we'll continue to have that fight. But also, in a way, I would tell you that it's actually energizing the Republican base because we need to know and everyone out there needs to know that the best way we can guarantee that the Democrats won't cheat and steal this election away from the president is to have such a huge margin of victory, they can't cheat and steal this away from the president. And so, I think in a way, it's bringing a lot of a lot more people to the polls. It's making sure that everyone out there is talking to all their friends and neighbors and making sure they get to the polls because that's the only way we're going to be able to stop it uh, if that's what they choose to do.
0: From the Trump campaign, Mark Lauder. Mark, good good luck, good work, and uh, please come back soon.
7: Thanks.
1: Talk to you soon, bud. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
3: Look, here All it is. All of this is asked and answer. Jake. Look, here's the thing. He was it's not like, honest with the you American guys, people. That, that, you're not you're answering wrong. the question. You're not honest with the American people. CNN is not honest with the American okay. people. CNN, okay. you want to go there? I mean, I, I CNN, said you're not answering the question. That. Here's the thing. Thank you, Peter question. Navarro. Thank, we just played to you answer. You didn't answer I've the question. Answered, no, you can't say that. You I didn't answer, answer the question. question. No, you did. repeatedly, Jake. You just did not okay. like Peter the Navarro, thank you, you so like much. I appreciate answer. your time today. Thank, thank you so much. And I would just like to remind the American I people the watching that the United States has less than 5% of the world's population, and the United States has more than 20% of the world's coronavirus deaths.
0: I just want to remind America that I'm a fake journalist who pretends to be objective and does the bidding of the DNC. There's that, too. <sighs> how, about, uh, how about this, uh, Jake? There are big parts of the world where there have been basically no COVID cases reported, and we don't even know why. Sub-Saharan Africa, very little COVID. Why is that? We don't know. Nobody really has a good explanation for it. Do you know that if you were to adjust for population Spain now has about 30,000 deaths and is having big spikes, daily spikes in cases. But they have masks. Oh, it didn't change anything, did it? If you adjust for population, the U.S. is about six times the size of Spain, a little more than that. Guess what six times 30 is? 180. Guess how many deaths we have in the U.S. from COVID? About uh, 100 and what is it? 190, 200,000 right now. And we have a much less healthy. I'm just going to say it. America's number one in so many great ways. But we have a very unhealthy population when it comes to hypertension, obesity and a bunch of these ailments that are the worst possible thing to add into the mix when you get covid. So we are basically right along where we did better than Italy. We're right along with Spain, better than the U.K., Um, But why why do we have you know, we have 20 percent of the covid deaths or or whatever it is. for cases is meaningless. They can keep talking about this all day, but they've also stopped because cases are going way down now, going way down. Uh, Cases is meaningless. A lot of countries didn't test as much while they were going through their outbreak and started testing. Really, there's there's a cycle that this goes through. All the data shows you this. This thing jumps. Now, not every jump is the same because of a population susceptibility to it, pre-existing immunity to it, uh, population density. But it gets into a community and there's about an eight week up and then down that it goes through. Or you can believe that New York City is so much smarter and more responsible than all these other places in the country that had their spikes in the summer. Um, But that's a lie. And that would be a stupid thing to think. But people do want to think that. And, of course, New York's New York's version of dealing with the virus was herd immunity by accident with the maximum exposure to the highest risk people up front. And then the most draconian lockdowns possible afterwards. We did everything wrong in New York, everything we did in New York with this virus. Now that we can actually look at it and look at the data, look at the timelines, we, it's as though we were trying to do the worst possible job here. Other states, Florida, Texas, much better outcomes than we had with this. But the media can't accept that. They want to just keep saying that Trump is the worst. Trump caused the virus. Trump is awful. And it's all Trump's fault. And to do that, they have to suppress data that's right in front of their faces. I also got to tell you, this guy, Fauci, is really annoying. Uh, Doesn't have anything worthwhile to say ever remember when we were all told oh wash your hands that's gonna say do you even hear about hand washing anymore really oh because it's an aerosolized virus but we were told the why if you don't wash your hands, people were washing their hands until they were red and raw to save themselves from the virus that was the public health guidance and it was don't wear a mask and then it was maybe wear a mask and now it's you better wear a mask and now it's wear a mask outside i mean all the stuff we've been through the, the, the public health policy community has been a catastrophic failure during this whole thing. Nothing to add. Not helpful. Oh, we need all the ventilators. Just kidding. No, we don't. Oh, we need all the extra hospital capacity. Just kidding. No, we don't. Wear masks. Oh, we said don't wear masks before. Yeah. Now, if you don't listen to us, you're an idiot. But here's what Fauci says. Play 11. That response on my
6: part was in response to a question that someone asked, when can we actually get back to normal as we know it? Normal, including with impunity, going into a movie theater, which is indoors and enclosed. And I said what I've been saying all along that I believe that we will have a vaccine that will be available by the end of this year, the beginning of next year. But by the time you mobilize the distribution of the vaccinations and you get the majority or more of the population vaccinated and protected, that's likely not going to happen till the mid or end of 2021. So in direct response to that person's question, I said, if you're talking about getting back To a degree of normality, which resembles where we were prior to COVID, it's going to be well into 2021, maybe even towards the end of 2021.
0: Another year of this. This abject fool. Doesn't look at anything that's actually happening with the data, doesn't look at the trends. Another year of this just lock. Now we've gone to lockdown beyond vaccine, not even lockdown to vaccine, which they admitted was crazy. Now it's lockdown beyond vaccine these people are morons they should not be listened to anymore i'm just gonna say it on policy they don't know what the hell they're talking about thanks for listening to the bus sex and show
1: podcast remember to subscribe on apple podcast the iHeartRadio radio app or wherever you get your podcasts liberty truth and great hair feel those funky beats It's time for Roll Call.
0: Roll Call time, everybody. Indeed. Let's uh, get to it. Facebook.com slash Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com if you want to send us an email. And remember, if you're not already, please follow me on Instagram. Follow me for the political hot takes or the Tallulah photos. So, actually, this week, it looks like I might have Tallulah, my parents' French bulldog, and... Percy, my brother's Pomeranian. I got, I'm on double doggy duty this week. Bruce and Mark, get ready for all those photos. It's going to be fun. It's like I'm running a kennel over here.
4: Yeah. Do you even have enough room in your apartment for two dogs? No, but I mean, what could be more fun than snuggling with two dogs on the couch while oh, I watch? I agree with you. Whenever I get a house, I'm going to have more than one dog.
0: No right, doubt. Right, but I'm just saying. No, no, But it's very snug in here. But they're tiny. The Pomeranian is like fits in your palm. I mean, it's named for Pomerania, which is in uh, northern Europe, the province of Pomerania. But um, I think it's Ger- in Germany, right? But is it in Germany? Or is it? Yeah, I think it's in Germany. But uh, they're very small. They're very feisty little dogs, though. They look like little tiny baby wolves. That's
4: the toughest thing that I could say about them. Yeah, they're very fluffy looking. At
0: some They're very online. fluffy looking, yes. But they're very sweet. They're a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm going to have double dog duty this week. And you know what I did over the weekend, producer Mark? Snow Princess got me in gear for it. I went to the gym. Wow. Oh, yeah. It was a little bit like if you did a montage of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man uh, trying to do like a marathon and lift some weights and all this at the same time. It was just
4: like, oh, my belly hurts. It was not. You basically described every time I've gone to the gym in my life.
0: I mean, I did. I've, I've been gymless for seven months. And I just I couldn't I tried to do the guy that would do the pushups in as a but it felt too much like being in a prison. I just couldn't do it. And uh, I got to tell you, the gym, it, it, it was great to be back in the gym. Technically, I was supposed to be wearing a face mask can neither confirm nor deny whether when it, the gym is empty and I'm in there. I still wear a face mask because it's so stupid. It's an empty room. I don't understand what I'm doing in there anyway. But ooh. oh, I was walking. I was like, my Back hurts. My shoulders hurt. It all hurt. It all hurt. It all hurt all of a sudden.
4: It, it always hurts the first time, but you know, once you get in the rhythm, it'll stop hurting. Oh man, my booty is sore. I what did you do? Squats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You start. You don't never start with squats. But it was like lightweight though. But ooh, still feels good. But hopefully,
0: give me till Christmas time. I might be able to fit into my old suits, which would be really nice. That would be really helpful. If you ever
4: have an event that you need a suit again.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I think the I think that men's fashion has forever changed now. I think that people are going to say um, suits. I've been saying this, you know, I've been saying this. Long, suits are not comfortable. I don't care if it's tailor made for you. They're just not that comfortable. Nobody wants to wear a dress shirt with a jacket on top of it and a tie around their neck. It's not comfortable. So just yeah, putting that out. I there. agree. It's awful. I've said goodbye to the tie and I have a great tie collection. I used to collect those things. I spent way too much money on ties, but I've said goodbye to the tie, and it's never coming back. And also, uh, uncomfortable dress shoes, as you know, comfortable feet, the success, I'm sorry, the secret to a successful life. So, now.
4: sounds like a new self-help book coming from Buck Sexton soon. It might have to happen. Might have to happen.
0: Oh, cuts. No, that's not what we want. We want roll call. Where did that go? I, I forgot. There we go. Here we go. Roll call. Uh, Thank you, everybody, as always, for writing in with Roll Call. We do appreciate it. It's one of my favorite parts of the show. Okay, Jay. Wait, I also... Oh, wait, before I get into Roll Call, I got distracted again. I watched uh, Binge Watch with the Snow Princess, Cobra Kai, over the weekend. It's awesome. And I didn't think it would be good, and it's actually really good. Have you seen this? I don't even know what it is. It's on Netflix. It's kind of the not a sequel it's like a 20 or 30 years later follow-up to the karate kid series with the original karate kid um main actors and it's like now they're adults and it's great it's really good actually i thought it would be cheesy and and ridiculous it uh, it turned out pretty well i I
4: might have to watch that you you producer mark you would actually like this you've said that about a lot of things though what have what have I told you? You would like. That's true. I never get around to watching anything that you. Wow. Tell me. Wow. I don't get around to watching things that I want to watch on air, no less. To be fair,
0: slap down. Yeah.
4: Well, yeah, anyway, I, I would put for for my
0: recs for you. I would put uh, Cobra Kai at the top of your list, and I think Mrs. Mark would like it too.
4: All right.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying. You know, and a 30 minute episodes, man. And it's on
4: Netflix. It's free. How can you go wrong here? She doesn't like watching anything else other than the show we're currently watching. That's the problem. What's what are you watching right now? Uh, we're rewatching Grey's Anatomy. Ah, oh, dude, I know. Producer Mark, it's like you're drinking a big bucket of estrogen. Every but she's night. only here on weekends, so like I get to do what I want during the week.
0: That's at least, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got to get you to start playing Call of Duty so that you, me, and Jesse Kelly can all play on the same Call of Duty team.
4: I consider it. I have the yeah. PlayStation Online.
0: Dude, you should get oh. it.
4: I'm telling you, it's great. All right, all right. A roll call, roll call. Sorry, everybody.
0: Jay. Buck, a while back, a listener wrote it and suggested, uh, suggested Trump do airport hangar rallies. Cheap, convenient, no need to coordinate caravans to and from the airport. Just land, get out, speak, climb aboard, um, climb back aboard. I guess Trump was listening that day because now he's doing just that, and it's awesome. I'm glad that Trump actually listens to real experts. I remember for years thinking, man, if I was ever president, I'd listen to Rush every day. I didn't know about you at that time, but now I'd easily add you to the list. Finally, we have an everyman in the White House. Yeah, he's a billionaire, but he's like a down-to-earth guy who just happened to become a success but didn't let the glory get to his head. Keep up the work. Shields high. Well, Jay, thank you so much. And I, I agree that we got a down-to-earth guy with this president who uh, really has... He does have, I guess, what you'd call the common touch. Uh, he does have an ability to just to relate to people. It's It's one thing that... Democrat politicians like Hillary Clinton, for example, do not have uh, do not have at all. So, yeah, I agree. Chris writes. Hey, there, Buck and Mark. I've been a longtime listener out of California, union iron worker, local four three three recently moved to Idaho, which so far, in my opinion, is the best thing I've ever done, aside from marrying my wonderful wife and having my two beautiful daughters. I passed the buck as much as I possibly can, and I've even had the pleasure of hearing you read roll call from people I've passed the buck to. Well, that's awesome, Chris. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. I've listened to a lot of different conservative-based podcasts, and I have to say the Buck Sexton Show is by far the greatest. Producer Mark, can we, can we like, adopt Chris or something? Yeah, I mean, we need to, like, use man, this for promos or something. Can we, like, make him a, you know, honor- honorary, like, Freedom Hut, you know, I don't know. Everyone listens to the Freedom. We got to think of like some cool thing we could
4: call people. Every out. one of our listeners is an honorary member of the Freedom Hut Club. No, they're all in the Freedom Hut, but we got to like the Freedom Hut, you know, Grand Council fan or club? something. You know what I mean? No, not fan
0: club. Something like uh, you know, like they're cool. The Hall you know of what Fame. I'm like I don't know, I mean, something, something awesome. I don't know. Seal Team Freedom Hut. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Something that's like, yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, we'll do the we'll do the branding another day. I just want to comment on Mark's assessment of the Kansas City-Houston Thursday night opener, and I 100% agree that the crowd booing their moment of solidarity was in poor taste, but I do disagree in his stance about Houston staying in the locker room during the National Anthem. I truly believe that our nation's flag, as well as the National Anthem, should be something to be respected by every proud American across the country, and to see an individual such as J.J. Watt, whom I've always had great respect for in all of his charities and previous patriotism, was just very saddening. I did lose a lot of respect for him. Anyways, I love and respect the work you do. So please continue. And I'll obviously hold my shield high. Well, Chris, that was a great roll call, man. Thank you so much for writing in. And look, I I don't want to sit here and spend my time trashing professional athletes. I think that what they've what they've been able to do is obviously remarkable. They're very well compensated for it. They lead incredibly, um, you know, rarefied and special lives and. And they've earned it. I mean, they work very hard. Look, I, I just like to point out, though, that a lot of these guys, you know, the difference the difference between most Division three college athletes and most professional athletes, people won't often say this, but just a lot of it's just God-given talent. I, I know plenty of people that were, or even a, even a D1 athlete and a pro. It's not they're not working really hard in the gym. It's just some people have more God-given gifts than others in this, in, in these sports, in these areas. You know, LeBron James was i mean how old was he when when he went pro mark 17 18 yeah 18 lebron james was on the cover of sports illustrated i think he was 15 or 16 years old
4: yeah he was in high school
0: yeah so it now i'm not i'm not taking anything away from the man in terms of his ability obviously he's probably the best living basketball player and probably top five maybe top three all time i still think mj mj is the greatest of all time but he he was gifted. It's a gift from God. I mean, it's amazing what this guy had, this ability to play the sport at that level at such a young age. And I, I just think that there's a lack of, of gratitude and a lack of, you know, they always talk so much on the left about it inclu- uh, being inclusive. Why aren't these NFL players, it, it feels like they're extending a middle finger to the part of the country that doesn't see BLM the same way they do instead of saying, hey guys, we, we want to bring everybody in. We're all in this together. We all want justice. It, it feels divisive. It feels oppositional. So I just wish I wish that wasn't the case, because, I mean, I think the first professional athlete who has real standing um, in his sport, who stands up and says, you know, we really need to focus on y- unity and safe communities and intact families and promoting, you know, hard work and good citizenship. And you know, that there would be such an such an outpouring of support for this doesn't even have you know some people say oh what about uh was the guy who did this special the kneeling the special not not the kneeling um the special pose i mean tim tebow right oh yeah tebowing yeah but he tebowing that's what i was thinking not not kneeling tebow well i guess a tebow is kind of a kneel but yeah, a different yeah, kind yeah, of kneel yeah. um you know he's uh He seemed like a really good, wholesome guy, but because he was viewed as very Christian, therefore he
4: was very right-wing, and there was this whole backlash. I I just think he sucked. That's why I hated him. Didn't he win some big games? Oh, he won some—he was a college quarterback. He had no—I have the same arm as Tim Tebow. Then he tried to play baseball in some sort of farce. It was ridiculous. Wow. I I have no problem with Tim Tebow the person. I think he's a very good charitable person, good human. I just think he's a terrible athlete. But didn't he win a whole bunch of NFL games that were big? Yeah, he like- had one season where he had a miracle run kind of thing, but he didn't, yeah. you know. And then every team he went to after that, he was terrible. Mm. He, he's bad. Sorry. Sorry for the Tim Tebow lovers up saying he's a good person. I think he's a, not a good football player and definitely a terrible baseball player.
0: Direct all your hate messages to producer oh, Mark. We got plenty of those much. this weekend.
4: <laughs> Fuck, come on.
0: Uh DJ. Buck, I was thinking of some good ways for the government to incentivize people to get the vaccine when available. I realize it'll be a highly polarized vaccine, and even I, an ardent Trump supporter, am a little leery about wanting to get it, right away at least. However, I realize that eventually it'll be an important factor for us to get back to normal, and normal's also in the best interest of the federal government. But for the federal government to require Americans to be vaccinated, I think might be a step too far, especially in our current political climate, regardless of who wins the election in compromise. Maybe the federal government could offer two to five year tax breaks for families willing to get the vaccine when it becomes widely available. Really? I'm just trying to think of ways that would convince me that the vaccine is worth it. And that would be one way for sure. Thoughts Um, tax breaks for families willing to get the vaccine. Huh? Well, look, uh, TJ, I appreciate where you're coming from on this one. I I just think, we got to see what the what the data we got to Fauci this one. We got to see what the data is. No, but really, we got to see if if they think the vaccine is, is highly effective and highly safe. Team, I'll just tell you this. Uh, I'll probably get it just because I want to be able to be around my uh, my parents without and, and other, you know, senior senior aged uh, people without putting them at any undue risk of contracting. If it were just me, I, mean, I got I, I would not get vaccine at all. I'm not worried about this thing. I'll I'll see when it comes out. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I always tell you guys the truth. I'll tell you if I end up saying, okay, I'm going to get this vaccine, but I want to read about it, see what it is, see what the studies say.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
0: More roll call. Todd, Buck, I nearly spit out my drink when I heard the soundbite you played of Cocaine Mitch throwing down the gauntlet. He is definitely the man. Honestly, is there another Republican who can talk smack the way he does? He just let it all hang out without fear of repudiation or condemnation when he declared, quote, at this point, it is just silly season on the Democrat side. I've replayed that line about a half a dozen times now. I don't mean to laugh, honestly, but I can't help myself. I respect Mr. McConnell. At least he says something. Shield time, my friend. Well, Todd, we got we got somebody who's ready to go to bat for Mitch McConnell in this audience. Uh, Look, I, I cocaine Mitch. He's establishment, but sometimes he is a mean, lean, judge confirmation machine. And no matter what you think of Mitch on trade, on immigration, on judges, this guy is getting it done. And that that matters. It's important. And he's he makes no apologies for it to the Democrats. who are always trying to slow the whole thing down. Adam. Hey, Buck and Mark, regarding your commentary about how the NYPD should not be enforcing mask orders. I can tell you there are many of my fellow officers here in California on the same page. We've had a few coworkers get the China virus and agree this has been blown way out of proportion. All we want is people to take a chill pill and let people live their lives and take risk management into their own hands. God bless, Adam. Absolutely. I've been regularly tuning in or listening to podcasts on my way home after shift since you took over the America Now slot here in Monterey for the last few years. Shields high and stay safe from the left. I mean, West Coast. Well, Adam, thanks so much, man. Yeah, no. Now there is no America. Now that is uh, that is long buried and gone. It is the Buck Sexton show. So that's what happened when the Buxter took over. And I'm so glad you've been here for that. And thank you for listening. And great to have members of our highly valued, respected, appreciated law enforcement community across the country listening into this show. All right, we are on we are on team law enforcement here as much as anybody could ever be, Barbara. Hey, love you, Buck, but don't disparage Schenectady. Some of us live here, would never vote for Biden. Did I, did I make fun of Schenectady? Apparently. Oh, I think I said that Biden was like being in Delaware was like being the mayor of Schenectady. I didn't, I, I didn't disparage Schenectady. I'm just, I was just picking a random, relatively small city. I think that's what happened. Well, don't make I don't fun even of know any... enough about Schenectady to make fun of it, and I love Team Buck Schenectady. So.
4: Well, now you've made Team Buck Schenectady
0: very angry. Well, now I apologize and extended a hand in continued Freedom Hut friendship because I love them. I think this lady is now team
4: producer, Mark.
0: Fair enough. Everybody pass the buck. Make sure someone new listens to the show this week. It's on Spotify, the iHeart app and Apple podcast until tomorrow. Shields high.